0: Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper, and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that, though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Hi everyone! Welcome back to another week of the Invisible Truths podcast. I am here this week with Kate Cameron, who is a subconscious coach uh, in Costa Rica. So she's uh, coming to uh, coming to us from a bit of a distance, but we're so excited that uh, you could be here this morning with us. Kate, welcome!
1: Thank you so much, Ben. I'm, I'm really excited to be here talking about all these things.
0: Yes, me too. It's going to be a fun episode. Um, so let's start out by telling our audience a little bit about uh, what you do and how you got started doing it.
1: Yeah, so the the short of this is that when I studied psychology in school, I always wanted to know why things were happening. And I I really, at, um, at a pretty early age, I just wanted to basically figure out why people acted the way that they acted and how could we change it? Like, was it possible to, to become healthier, happier? Was it possible to change the way that we lived our lives and the way that we experienced our lives? So that was something that I had, you know, had always felt this drive that was really what motivated me to do what I did was like, how can I uncover more about, you know, why it a we're right here, what we're doing and how to live our best life. So um, at first, I was studying that from a more traditional standpoint. I was studying psychology. Um, I had a bit of an illness when I was overseas in Thailand, and that actually brought me into the world of yoga and meditation. And meditation ended up bringing me into hypnotherapy and this work that I now do with the subconscious mind as, as a transition because I think the more I started learning about meditation and even about yoga, the more I started to realize how important our belief systems are and that they really underlie pretty much everything. Um, and then the hypnotherapy was, was really what brought me into the past life regression, um, the work that I do there. But I also have had like a bit of a backstory on, on why I was, um, why I was drawn to past lives from like a personal standpoint. So there's like what I was learning about. And then there's a couple weird things that I could, tell you stories in my childhood that just were a little bit bizarre um, but ultimately that's that's how I got where I am.
0: I am so curious about these stories so I'm going to ask you about them in a moment um, <laughs> but first let, I want to make sure that I have an idea of what all falls under the umbrella of the services you offer and, and, and it was did I get the title right What's it called subconscious mind coaching
1: Yes, Subconscious coach. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and so you have hypnotherapy, you have, um, past life regression. Mm -hmm. Um, what else is included in that, that title and in the services you offer?
1: Yeah. So a lot of it honestly is mindset coaching. So it comes down a lot to, um, to what your belief systems are, helping people reframe their belief systems. I have a lot of tools and strategies that I've picked up from my formal training as a hypnotherapist, but also from My personal study of yoga, meditation, a lot of the tools that I've learned. And really, like, I think that the most important part of this work is getting to the root cause. So it's not about covering things up with a band aid or, uh, you know, trying to like move away from our problems. It's really about going into exactly what's there. Why is it there? And how can we shift it? So a lot of that work is more on the conscious side of just, you know, talking things out, having somebody. To hold that space for you as you as you move through um, those transitions
0: and is there a, a moment in your life where you that kind of awakened you to this notion of getting to the root of things for your own healing and, and can you describe that for us
1: yeah yeah absolutely there was so after i graduated from college um i i knew i was interested in psychology i really wanted to study that but i i didn't really know what i wanted my career to be so I took a job in education. I I took one of those jobs where you can go abroad and teach English, which, um, you know, it's a really, it's a beautiful profession. But to be honest, like the reason I took it was kind of like, I I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know this will allow me to travel. I've never taught before, but hey, maybe this will be fun. I like kids. Why not try it? So I did that. And (laughs) when I was teaching about a week before I was meant to be finishing my teaching contract, I got really sick and I was in the hospital for about a week. Um, So I didn't know what was going on. I was in a really rural area and the doctors couldn't help me. Um, You know, even to go into a little bit more detail, like I had been going to the hospital a few times before they officially admitted me, trying to figure out, you know, like I have these weird symptoms. At first I felt arm pain and then, um, you know, I felt like, like weird pain in my stomach and they were telling me I had peptic ulcers. I even had a doctor misdiagnose me as being pregnant after doing an ultrasound, which as you can imagine is like a bit like terrifying, especially when you're overseas, like I'm in this place where nobody spoke English. Um, I really had no idea what was going on. And I was, I was very, in some ways, very isolated more so, I think because I allowed myself to feel that way. But um, yeah, I, d- I just felt very confused a lot of the time. And then when I was finally admitted to the hospital, they didn't know what was wrong. I had this fever that was coming and going. And um, you know, finally one day I was like, okay, you've been giving me all these IVs, but I don't have an answer. Can you do an x-ray? Can you tell me, you know, what's really going on? And so they did an x-ray and, and finally they're like, okay, you just have a bit of bronchitis. This was after, you know, about a week. <laughs> and so I was like, well, well, how does that make sense? You know, <laughs> I've got all these weird symptoms. I have no idea what's going on. I I was literally on the phone with with my ex-boyfriend. I was like, hey, if if something happens to me, can you make sure that my family's gonna be okay? I don't think I'm gonna make it out of this hospital. That was how seriously I thought something was wrong. And in that moment, I I actually can remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in that hospital room. It was the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep because I had IVs in my arm and I, I just felt terrible. And I remember I looked outside the window and I said, I was like, you know, spirit, universe, whatever. This is the first time I'd ever really openly communicated with that higher power. I said, if you let me out of this hospital room, I swear I'll I'll start doing all the things that I really want to do with my life. I'll go do my yoga teacher training, something I'd always wanted to do, but I didn't think it would, um, I didn't think it would progress me, right? On more of like that traditional sense of the word. So I said, I was like, okay, if you let me out of here, I swear, like I'll really live life to my full potential. I'll do all the things that I can. And then I did get out of the hospital. <laughs> so I went home to the States. I got better. And then I, um, I booked, I booked a yoga teacher training. I spent all the money that I had left. I even, I actually had to work to make enough to do it. Um, and then I went and I, I followed that path and it was eventually brought me here.
0: Hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. That's that's a really powerful moment. I was picturing you, you know, like in a, in a hospital bed, in kind of a dingy room, you know, reaching this almost breaking point and pleading with this unknown source, right? Um, and 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 the the bargain you made stood out to me. Um, coming from uh, my background is in Christianity. And you hear stories like that fairly frequently um, in Christian circles where they find themselves down on their luck or in the dark place through illness or divorce or life circumstances and they just kind of make this plea with God, God, if you get me out of this, right, I will do X. And usually though in the Christian circles, it's um, I'll start living right, right? Like I'll, I'll get rid of some sin that's in my life or, or whatever, right? What intrigued me was that yours was I will start doing the things that I know I have wanted to do. And so I'm wondering, can you, do you remember, like, what was your mindset that made you realize that that was the piece that needed to be bargained with, and that, that was your bargaining chip?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting that you say that because I think that has to do with like the key root of, of a lot of my struggles or purpose in life. I, I believe that everyone has kind of like a couple of key things that they're working with, and I I think that I realized, even though I was interested in, in learning more about the world and finding out these deeper things. I don't think i was really allowing myself to do them because i believed that i needed to follow the rules on some level um, to what i thought like my parents would have approved of so so yeah maybe they wouldn't have approved of me going to thailand to teach english and they they didn't actually but at least it was like considered like a job that somebody else was going to be paying me for and um you know that there was a company that was like reputable and really, I think every time I made a choice like that, which I was, I was making not only in, in my work, but also you know, like personal decisions, all these decisions, I was always making them under the guise of like, what does somebody else want for me? What, what would be acceptable to this person? How should I react based on what this person wants me to do? And it was always, always like that. So it was like this constant neglect of, of what I really needed and what I was really feeling. And in that moment I was just like, well, I think I felt very like like wasted in a sense. And I don't mean wasted, drunk or intoxicated. I mean, I felt like I had just been like trying to give. And in that situation of teaching to all these, I had 500 Thai students. And I felt like I was trying so hard to like, to give to them and, and not knowing if I was doing a good job and um, and having like all these places where I was trying to give to other people, but, I was never really giving to myself, and um, and I think like finally I just had that realization. I don't know if it was brought on by the fever or what, but finally I was like, you know, I need to actually do those things. Even though um, I, I do remember when I first started practicing yoga, I said to my dad, "I really love yoga. This is something I, I'd like to do." A, a yoga teacher training, and my dad is great, and I love him. But I, I'll always remember he said to me, "Kate." go online and look up how much money a yoga teacher makes in a year so i did (laughs) and he's like like it was basically his way of telling me that's a waste of your time so I, i hadn't done it i put it off and then in that moment where i was in the hospital i was like well this is the time to start listening to myself because if if you know my life can be taken from me so quickly and easily then you know what's the point if i'm doing it for somebody else
0: yeah, I I, uh, I I respect that and I relate to it, and, and I think maybe from our, our generation more so than our parents' generation, um, the, the, and most of them I think would be boomers, um, you know, we as millennials are not guaranteed to, like, uh, have a retirement fund when we, we're done working or have a nest egg saved up or have really any equity to our names whatsoever when we die, right, and so I think that stark reality, as unfortunate as it is, reorients us, you know, so that um, I just, I know so many people that are breaking free from this drive to, to make and maximize your money or your earning potential in the hopes of doing something that is more meaningful internally, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like that you reached that point as well in your life, and I know I have it in mind too. And so it's just fascinating how both internal and external kind of societal forces are, can bring us, you know, to this point that intrigues me.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it's not even like I mean I I don't even think it's anyone's fault necessarily. Like you said, our parents, I mean, for them to do some of the things that we do today would be considered like sort of crazy. They'd be like, "Well, why would you go off and start working for yourself when you could have this very safe corporate job?" So, so I understand this. it's just a mindset shift, but um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm.
0: And so one of the most interesting um, pieces of your work, maybe interesting is the wrong word, one of the pieces I'm most intrigued by is um, the work that you do with past life regression. Um, and you said that you have stories um, of yourself kind of encountering this long before you knew it would become what you're doing uh, for your career. So Dish, what are the stories? I wanna hear those.
1: I do, yeah. Yeah, they're quite interesting. So, um, so as I explained, I, I came from a more traditional upbringing. Um, So it's not like my parents were super hippies or anything like that. But I always remember that my mom told me when I was old enough to like start remembering, she told me that um, two things. One, that the doctor who delivered me said I was old soul. And I always asked her like, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? And she's like, I don't know. He just, he said like, she's done this before. Like she knows, I don't know exactly why, but for some reason he thought that I seemed like I had done it before and the other thing she said was that that when um i was about 4 or 5 years old we were driving over a bridge and i looked down at the water and like very calmly explained to her that that was how i died. i was just like oh yeah that's how i died and she looked at me like what are you talking about and i guess i was just like oh like it's just how i died and then i started playing with something and she was kind of i think i probably freaked her out to be honest i think as a child it would probably seem a bit weird and looking back now on a lot of the things that I did when I was a kid I realized how weird they were but I never I never thought at the moment I mean I I remember writing poems when I was a little kid about dying I thought everyone did that.
0: (laughs) not so much
1: (laughs) (laughs) I used to write these really weird poems about like like the meaning of life and like the impermanence of life and like how we would and it's so weird because I literally thought everyone did that. <laughs>
0: that is so great. Is so great. Um yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, and then um when I was a little bit older, I uh I, I kind of like rejected the idea of reincarnation to some extent. And then when I did get into a lot of the deeper meditation work, I um I did vipassana, which I don't know if you're familiar, but it's Okay, so it's a 10 day silent meditation retreat. So for 10 days, you're silent, you go with all these people and you, you basically meditate from like six in the morning till 9 p.m. With, with little breaks and a little bit of like information in between. And um, it's, it's hard, but what it, it really does start to do is it, it starts to knock you down into those deeper layers of your subconscious, which is, trust me, you know, not always fun. A lot of people left early. Um, But for me, on like the third or the fourth day, I started seeing all these faces when I was in meditation. Um, And it was something that had kind of happened to me before. I would see all these faces, and they were always faces that were different ethnicities to me. They were always faces that I had never seen before in real life. And they would flash in front of my, my visual field, even though my eyes were closed. They would flash as real as if they were standing right in front of me. So it was so like, clear, just face after face after face. And then I started to, to get images of, um, of places, like very clearly, like a, like a very dirty alley. Like a, it looked like it was in India and I hadn't been to India before, but I just saw this alley. And then um, one day I got this very, very clear picture of a building that looked like a church with a symbol that resembled a, a swastika. And at the time, and I remember being so like, whoa, I, I had to open my eyes and come back to the space. I was like, why did I just have that image so clearly? And why did I have such a strong emotional reaction to it? So I remembered that symbol. And when I finished the Vipassana, I started doing some research on symbols because I didn't know, you know exactly why I would see that. And I found that the symbol, Um, for peace in Hinduism, I guess when, you know, when the Nazis basically came into power, they actually adopted that symbol. It was originally a, a symbol that represented peace and it was from Hinduism. And it was something that they used to put on different churches and different religious buildings. And when I saw it, when I saw that in my meditation, I felt like a very, it felt like a home. I was like, oh, this is my home. Like, this is my safe place, my, I don't know, spiritual place or whatever. So when I, I realized that that was the symbol I had seen, it just kind of blew my mind. And it, it continued, I, I would have other images of different things and like sudden heartbreak, feeling like I lost my child and I've never had a child, just like weird things would happen like that.
0: how did you go from those experiences that were kind of strewn about throughout moments of your life to actively moving into past life regression, and, and maybe even before that, will you take a moment and explain for those listening that don't know what past life regression is? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so past life regression, it's essentially a form of hypnotherapy where you slow down your brainwave state so that you can access old memories and stored information. So it's the same process that I would use if I were going in with somebody to look at a childhood memory, maybe a repressed memory or something that they wanted to get more details of from their childhood it's the exact same technique the exact same process that i use for a past life regression and what it does is it essentially just helps you to relax enough that you can pull out those parts of information that normally would overload the conscious brain and then for anyone who might be listening who's super skeptical like i at one point was you know i, I went through periods in my life where i didn't really you know, buy into any of this stuff, even though I've had some of those early life experiences. I always, I always explain that whatever you see or feel or experience in regression, it doesn't really matter if it's one hundred percent factual or not, because it's, it's pulling at something inside of you. There's a message there. There's um, a subconscious story that is being told, and when we go into those experiences we can actually start to heal them and release what's there and we can really learn and grow from those experiences. so i always like to say that too because, you know for anyone who's, who's kind of like newer to this or um you know just maybe doesn't believe in past lives and i know that there are some people that don't and that's totally cool um but it's just it's nice to understand it in both perspectives
0: yeah i agree and i um i I've only been familiar with past life regression for like maybe a year, year and a half, so I'm fairly new to it. But when you explained that concept over our phone call a couple of days ago about what really mattering is interpreting what the subconscious brought up and recognizing that it's useful regardless of its objective truth or not, that really helped kind of frame the perspective through which I looked at the idea of past life regression. So I appreciate you naming that, that's really helpful. So how did you get from those experiences into doing this kind of work?
1: Yeah. So I started studying hypnotherapy knowing that it would help me address a lot of the subconscious stuff that was going on. And when I was doing my hypnotherapy program, we we had to practice a past life regression. <clears throat> so they taught us how to do it, and we were meant to find somebody to act as kind of like a guinea pig. So I had a session with this woman that I knew from the yoga studio, I, I used to teach at. She was a yoga teacher too, and I said, hey, you know, um, she was, at the time, she was going through kind of a difficult situation. She was going through a a split from her longtime partner, and she was kind of open to receiving, you know, any kind of therapy, any sort of help that was available. So we decided to do this work together, and I remember saying to her before we started, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure if this is going to work, so let's just kind of, like, take the pressure off of, you know, let's just kind of she wasn't paying me, you know, it was kind of just like, let's see if this even does anything. And what I was blown away by was that it, it did. And not only did she move to, we went to five different experiences in that particular session, um, five different, you know, memories and lifetimes and, and moments, but also um, one memory of hers specifically, the, actually the first one that she dropped into was something that we were able to fact check after and find that there were clear details that she had spoken about that neither one of us had known. (laughs) It was actually, it was about World War II. And we were able to actually like research those things and be like, oh my God, this actually did happen. So that was pretty mind blowing. And I remember leaving that session just thinking, wow, there's this whole other layer, you know, behind the veil of, of, what we think we know, you know, behind what we can see. There's this whole other world of, of information and of, um, of messages that, that are kind of available to us.
0: So do you remember what, um, what impact that had on her? Like how did it, uh, did that session help her address any of her issues in the short term or, or long term?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So, for her, even though it was cool for us to fact check some of the details about World War II, what she actually experienced so she was a pilot in this memory, and what they were doing was dropping bombs. And so she described, you know, the situation kind of unfolds slowly. First, they're able to notice their feet, then they start to notice, okay, I'm I'm in an airplane, the air feels like this, I'm wearing this. Kind of outfit, they start to come into the details that way. And then she described that she was flying in a certain direction. She described that she was flying over. And then she starts to say, oh, I just have this really um, terrible feeling in my stomach. I you know, feel, um, feel really unsettled. And we started to realize that a lot of that unsettling was, was because she loved flying. She loved being in the air. She loved being in the plane but she didn't like what they were there to do, which is understandable, you know? So she had this, this huge sense of conflict between loving being a pilot and having to drop this bomb. So what we were able to do is, is help her acknowledge that, so, you know, consciously, but also tapping in with that subconscious bit so that she could start to process. And then, for example, another, <clears throat> another lifetime that she had, the partner that she was splitting from, She found him again in in that lifetime, which is quite common. Usually we travel with the same souls, especially if they're like a really strong, it's like when you meet somebody and you say, oh, I know you, we've met before. And that happens, at least for me, it happens a lot. Um, But, you know, you just, you kind of, you know, it's like meeting somebody without having them say it, you just kind of feel there's this connection. And she had a lifetime where he actually was her son. So it described the way that she was feeling about him in, in her current life, which was that she loved him. She didn't want to be with him romantically and she didn't really understand why. So when she was able to access that information, whether it was true or not, who knows, but she um, she saw him actually coming back from a battle in that lifetime and she was like so relieved. She was like, oh my God, he made it home. And so to have that understanding of why she, she you know, she didn't want to let him go, but she, he wasn't a romantic partner. Um, I think that really helped her because she was able to, to see it from that lens. So the shifts are not always necessarily like, you know, you have a session and then the next day you're like, okay, now I'm gonna like, totally um, reshape my life. Or, you know, it's not always like that, but it, it's more of like a subtle understanding that it brings things to the surface so that your perception and your life can you know, slowly begin to change.
0: That, yeah, that aligns with some of the things that I've read, and um, it, to me, the the concept is fascinating because of the interplay with um, psychology and sociology. You know, as we, as you were talking, and as I think back to other things that I've read, books that I've read about, past life regression, um, one of the things that I keep, it, it's a sticking point for me. I, I don't know that I can explain why, but it... it Whenever I uh, read a story or hear about um, someone that is white experiencing a past life in a place of color, like you know, Kenya or um, Thailand or, or wherever, it, um, I, like, I, I tense up and I'm like, ah, how do we understand, how do we understand that experience and whatever they might be bringing into this life with that experience through the lens of um, their own cultural privilege now? You know and so I wonder if you have thought about or if there are people doing work to, to understand the intersection of some of these tenets that come up in past life regression in the context of like our current sociology and cultural constructs
1: yeah that's a really good question it's, it's actually something I have thought about a lot and um, yeah it's, it is really interesting because it happens all the time like you said you know people are either in a totally different part of the world, a totally different ethnicity, a totally different culture. Um, And also, like a lot of times, people will have different lifetimes where they come from different statuses in terms of like privilege. So sometimes the same person will have one lifetime where they're this very high status individual and another lifetime where they're literally living on the street. Mm -hmm. So the way that I I see it is that usually, um, well, I guess I should say it this way, the way that they usually see it is at first, um, you know, they're able to find a message in both. They're able to find a lesson in both situations. So what is it that they need to know? And that, that message can be different for everyone depending on the person and what it was their soul needed to grow from. But those situations are always there to teach us something. And they're always there to kind of show us, okay, so maybe you came from this place that you know, didn't feel so great, but look at what you did have, you know, and sometimes, sometimes people are, this is actually very common. um, They'll be in these situations where they have uh, not a lot of power, you know, not a lot of money, but usually they, they find like their relationships are really good or they're literally just sitting outside in a peaceful place and connecting with nature. Like, those experiences are really, really powerful to them. And they're able to appreciate them so much. And then a lot of times, actually, what I hear is on the other side of that, when they're in these positions of more power, more status, more wealth or whatever, they're actually, um, often they're emptier memories, not, not always, but often they're like, ah, you know, I, I'm around all this abundance, but I I feel kind of empty inside. And so it's, interesting what the subconscious chooses to show us there. And from my perspective, I I think it's a really beautiful way for us to realize that on some level, regardless of your race, your um, socioeconomic standpoint, regardless of anything that you've experienced, that we're we're all souls coming from the same place. And it kind of takes away some of those divisions that I think we see um, just from our, our... our limited perception in this lifetime you know when we are able to start to understand that deeper working that deeper meaning and that we all come into these different situations where we have you know, certain levels of privilege or power or you know certain cultural beliefs and some cultures are really like close-knit and together and some are you know more separate so each of those experiences has just this like really powerful lesson for us or this really powerful opportunity for growth does that make sense does that answer your question i feel like i get sidetracked sometimes
0: (laughs) no you're good you're good it does it does uh and and that seems to be one of the central tenets of um i was gonna say reincarnation though i don't uh, i don't want to assume that um reincarnation is a very like kind of eastern religious philosophical term and i don't want to assume that everything i'm thinking of when i think of past life regression or past lives aligns perfectly with like how a hindu might understand reincarnation right um but again a lot of what i've read there's one of the consistent themes is that there's something to learn there are lessons to learn karma to work through in each lifetime um in each life period so yeah that that seems to align with what you've said Um, And what intrigues me is the idea of um, past life regression, being able to take us out of the limits of our current kind of construct in existence. So much, we, we hold a lot of ignorance, a lot of hard boundaries, a lot of walls that are due to where we find ourselves at this point in time. So if there's any tool that can help us break out of that and see a different perspective, whether objectively true or not, that feels like it could be uh, quite valuable, especially for those that are the beneficiaries of the the privilege of our current times. Um, so that's really yeah,
1: neat. Yeah, 100%. And I think you really put it on the head when you said it, it offers us that change of perspective. A lot of times somebody will be in that experience and, and they'll go to a a memory that's very different. And usually the memories are very different from their current life circumstances. And I'll ask, why, why did you need to see this? What was it that you needed to learn? And oftentimes they're like, well, I needed to understand that, you know, there's another way of being and that I can be more compassionate in this particular way because I now understand, I've widened that understanding that I have of the world just that little bit more
0: at this point in your life, you know, where you find yourself, um, what do you, what do you find yourself working through? What are the, the messages that are coming through for you, uh, in your own expansion of this season of your life?
1: To be honest, I think I'm still working on layers of, of that first, like initial hit that I had in the hospital. Like I'm still working on how can I truly show up for myself in a stronger way? So I'll find that for me this this sneaks in um sneaks up in little places like when I first started working with other people I put this immense pressure on myself to fix all their problems and to you know immediately be able to like help them release you know decades or lifetimes of stuff and if I couldn't do it I felt really uh responsible so I think even just in the way that I, I've recently switched my title from being a hypnotherapist to a subconscious coach, that shift has been helpful for me because as a hypnotherapist, I felt like I was, you know, I had to on some level do some of the work to get them there. Whereas when I come from the coaching standpoint in, in my mind, it might be the exact same process, but I feel like there's a, um, there's a clearer understanding for me. That this is this is their own work, and I'm just there to coach them. I'm there to guide them, and we might come into it through, you know, a, a process that is like hypnotherapy. But I still feel like there is that uh, that autonomy, where um, I feel like I'm able to to be a little bit more disconnected from like, oh my God, I need to make sure this person succeeds. And instead, so it's like I'm here. I'm offering the best I can. You know what happens on the other side is sort of out of my control um the, the best results are going to come when I show up from that place so that that has been I think the biggest one of the biggest things for me
0: yeah and so it sounds like you're you're still um working to name the things that you want to do and to do them and to live into them but you're finding that there's nuance in living into those things, right? And, and it sounds like now you're working on living into and exploring what that nuance is and what feels right and what doesn't. Um, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, thank you. And also another thing that I've noticed too, I think another struggle of mine that may have had to do with being an old soul or you know that idea is that I've moved around a lot. I've lived all over the world and it's been like really difficult until recently to find like home and i feel like i was just constantly looking like where is home where is home and um and i feel like maybe uh maybe a part of my soul was kind of like looking for like you know all these different experiences that i might have had in other places It was like waiting for the one that was most strongly calling me
0: Mm. so do you have a sense of of where you've experienced home and and as I ask that, in my in my mind, my understanding of home is not always a place. It definitely can be, but sometimes I feel at home with specific people, no matter where we're at, right, or in a certain setting. So how have you experienced home, or at least the home that you're searching for?
1: Yeah, it's, I think that you're right, and I think that, like, all of the traveling that I've done has ultimately brought me to that same situation, but it, it has taken and is taking a little bit longer for that to really be integrated, you know, on a, a really instrumental level. Because um, I, I think that you're, you're right, it is more about who you're with and the connections that you make. Um, and I think what I was finding when I was traveling was that I did find home to an extent in each of these places. I would build a really nice community with people. I'd really enjoy, you know, the physical element of where I was, the landscapes. I've lived in a lot of really nice places. Um, but there was always this sense of like oh but there's there's still something more like I know there's something else out there that I need to connect with so I just continued doing that and um I think for me I needed to maybe I needed to explore all those things so that I could ultimately come to a place where I, I know okay I've seen a lot of the other stuff now I understand that home comes from an internal place it comes from how I feel, it comes from the people around me. And if I stop moving and, and kind of ground myself, my home will come to me. My family will come to me. I don't, I don't need to look for it.
0: That that hits me, that hits me. That's, uh, yeah, that resonates pretty deeply, the, especially the idea that if I stop looking, my home will come to me. I really love that sentiment. Um, I think I, one of my lifelong quests is um, for, for meaning, both in, you know, to feel like I've impacted my environment and the world in, in a magnificent way, um, but also to feel like I fit with the people around me. Um, and I think as a result of those kind of dual quests, it has made it hard for me to feel satisfied, right, with anything I have at any given point. I'm always looking to what's next, right? Like, how will I evolve next? What is the next change, the next challenge? Um, and and that forward-looking nature can be really useful at times, but when I'm always doing it, I miss out on things. Um, and so I find that I'm trying to to appreciate where I'm at, but to, to work through like my past trauma, to understand why I'm wired this way physiologically, um, and then to just Yeah, to recognize that it's internal, right? That peace I'm seeking, that meaning I'm seeking, it's an internal state of being more so than it is an external state of being in the same way that home is more internal than external for you. Um, So I'll say all that just to say that that that's why everything you said about home resonated so deeply with me. So thank you for that. As we wrap up here today, Kate, I like to do two things um, when I finish the podcast. And the first is I want to give my guests a chance to ask uh, me a question uh, if you have it. It can be completely random and silly it can be serious or aligned with our topic uh, whatever you want it but is there a question that you'd like to ask me
1: what is the best day of your life or what was the best day of your life
0: so I'm gonna I'm just gonna process out loud um you know I can name the best some of the favorite seasons of my life that I've had you know I think about my freshman year of college which was a season of opening and pushing boundaries and experimenting um with freedom and that was really fun I look back and think about my fifth grade year and my eighth grade year, which was really fun years in school. Um, I think about um, my wedding day, which was a really great day. Seeing my wife walk down the aisle. I think about um, the birth of my son, which just happened in December, and how crazy that day was. And though it was stressful, like holding new life is just, it's mind-blowing and mind-boggling. Um, I think about the moments, I think, yeah, I don't know if I can name one best day, but whatever it was, it involves people and nature. Um, Some of the most meaningful periods of my life have been when I've been able to form deep relationships and connect with people on like a heart and soul level and, and experience a mutual transformation. Like there's just, there's something so deeply beautiful about that mutuality uh, it gives me life, and I can see that it brings life to the person I'm interacting with. And so um, I've experienced that working with teenagers, working with young children, um, and in deep friendships that I have. Um, and then nature has always just been healing for me. You know, whether it's just the vastness of the ocean that feels like it beckons me into its depths, or the the ancient, rooted ways of trees that are a reminder that. Um, That my problems are not nearly as large and consequential as I think they are. Those things kind of root and ground me. So I don't know what the single best day would be for me, but it definitely involved people and it involved uh, being around nature. I love that. And I like how you
1: you talked about it in Strain Memories because as you were saying that, I kind of like picture your life like in these pieces it's really
0: cool and that's exactly how I was picturing I saw like the the vignettes of different moments kind of flashing across uh, the screen
1: yeah yeah it's like a highlight reel
0: absolutely absolutely yeah such a great question do you have an answer to that question by the way
1: um my answer would probably be similar to yours <laughs> but uh yeah definitely definitely some some peaks um I relate with what you said about college I think like when you first go off on your own there is this really beautiful sense of freedom so i know i definitely had some of those moments in college a lot of them after college when i was traveling you know kind of like these emotional highs of being in these beautiful places with these beautiful people um and then yeah and finding those those people that you really relate to those times in nature where you you just feel um you know connected and yeah, I, I think I'm coming into even more of those days. I feel like the best the best days are even still to come.
0: That's such a beautiful hope and lure as you continue to do your work. I'm so happy that you you have that feeling. That's awesome. Thank you. So as we wrap up, the final thing I like to do is um, I like to leave the audience with, um, some sort of practice or phrase or intention that they can set and hold for like two to five minutes every day over the next week um, that ties together the themes that we've talked about. And so um, that can be themes of of opening up, of pursuing kind of your life's calling, of learning lessons over time, or just like kind of falling through the layers of yourself. So is there a practice or or something that you would invite the audience to focus on as they wrestle with these themes and chew on the wonderful content you've given yeah
1: that's that's a really good question one thing that i do like to advise to my clients and, and also do on my own is um is to use that time right before you fall asleep the time that the subconscious is actually more active than normal and um and really like lean into that as a way to um to build a relationship with yourself. So instead of like being on your phone right before bed or being on your computer, I know we've we've all done it, like especially now that we're in quarantine, it's easy to have those things. Um, But you can actually use that space to focus on uh, things that you wanna resolve in your life. A lot of times if there's something I'm working with in, in my waking life and I don't have an answer for it or a solution, what I'll do is before bed, I'll literally just lay there and think, like, please show me something that will, that will help me resolve the situation. And I found that when I do that, I end up having these really intense dreams. Sometimes they're really cathartic, really beautiful. Sometimes they're a little bit more difficult, but even in that difficulty, the subconscious is processing and it's making sense of different things. So what I'll recommend to my clients is have them keep like a journal by their bed, say, okay, go to bed with the intention to work on whatever this is. And then when you wake up in the morning, write down what came up, if you remember any of your dreams or even just how you're feeling. Do you feel peaceful? Do you feel frustrated? Like, how how do you feel when you wake up? And what you're doing is you're using that whole, um, that whole space of your sleeping cycle, you're going in with the intention to work on those deeper issues. It can be really, really powerful. And even if you don't have an issue that you wanna work on, you know, you might say like, since we were talking a lot about past lifetimes, Maybe you're just kind of curious. Maybe you go in with the intention to say, "I want to see what's there from maybe another lifetime." And, and you can access through dreams. You can access a lot of um, a lot of information that way. So yeah, that that would be my my recommendation.
0: Thank you for that. I love how um, how practical it is. You know, it's something that's fairly simple that we can all do. Just get a journal, write down an intention or something we're holding before we go to sleep, and then name what we feel we can name when we wake up. That's, that's simple. We can do that, right? And I, I imagine it can have such a profound effect. <laughs> um, so Kate, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your services or just follow your work? Where can they do that? Yeah, at?
1: so you can follow me on Instagram at Seeking Sundara. It's S-E-E-K-I-N-G-S-U-N-D-A-R-A. Or you can um, send me an email. My email is Kate Cameron, at SeekingSundara.com, um so it's you know the word seeking like you're looking for something and then sundara um and yeah i, I love connecting with people i also have a, a free facebook group i started just about a month ago and it's got um a really really beautiful community i'm, I'm super happy about it uh, of people just like supporting each other and self-growth and um that's that's been a really nice way for us to connect during the quarantine and just like keep each other accountable for you know for for growing and also like laughing together people will post funny stuff as well in the group so that's a nice way to connect
0: we definitely need laughs during this time for sure for sure. (laughs) wonderful and i'll drop those links in the episode description so um thank you so much for being here i have loved every minute of this kate it's been a pleasure
1: Ben, thank you so much
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode of the invisible truths podcast I know it's been a while since i put out a new content but i appreciate you sticking around and checking back in now that this episode is finally aired to learn more about my guest kate cameron you can check out the links to her instagram and her facebook in the episode description and you can also find her online at seeking sundura i know this topic is not a typical one we would cover in this podcast but i think past life regression is particularly interesting. Whether or not you think it's really possible, I think we can agree that there are things we can learn by asking the questions and exploring the concepts that past life regression brings up for us. So if you're curious at all or you're on the fence about it, I encourage you to do some research and check it out. It's some really interesting things. Once again, thanks for coming back. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the content. We will have more episodes and more interviews coming out in the subsequent weeks. Stay safe. Stay sane and be gentle with yourselves. Until next week, I'm Ben Tapper.